Hi, and welcome to Serious About Sustainability, the podcast series brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric's Ikadan, air source heat pump. I'm Russell Dean from Ikadan, and you're listening to a series of podcasts all about renewable home heating. We'll be covering a range of topics from the perspective of UK homeowners, self-builders, contractors, house builders, and housing associations. Our show today is called Heat Pumps, The Road to Net Zero. My guests are George Clark, architect and Ikadan ambassador, Ben Freeman, founder of Door Woodman, renewable heating specialists. Welcome to you both. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Pleasure. Thank you. So, George, if I can start with you first, what's been your journey with renewable heating so far? Um, how long have we got? Um, <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's 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 really interesting for me being at that point of transition between, I suppose, going to my grandparents' house back in the day where they didn't even have a central heating system, you know, and they were just used to being of a generation where you had a fire in every room to heat that room. And so when, you know, I hate to say it, but when a gas boiler turned up and a, and a new central heating system turned up to them, it was a kind of revelation in the 1960s. And I obviously lived with that for most of my life up until, you know, five or six years ago when you realise that the gas boiler is not a great thing to have in your house, apart from the fact it's kind of dangerous and a, and a fire hazard. You know, mm-hmm. You've got a lit fire, basically, in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose becoming more aware about the environments, I've changed lots of things in my life about how I live and what I eat and how I travel and how I do things. And I'm not, I'm not making out I'm super green. I wish, I wish I was the greenest person on the planet, but um, it's difficult, isn't it? It's part of a bigger journey for you then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, it's kind of everything. You know, I talk to my kids a lot about living in a, a green way. They talk to me about it mm-hmm. a lot because they're learning about it at school, which is great. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's really interesting that the conversation in my life, you know, I'm 40 odd years old. It's it's gone from us being a, a kind of fossil fuel burning society with not much regard for the planet, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 70s and 80s to now it being absolutely at the forefront of conversation. Mm. So when it comes to my house, I try and be as green as I can. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm an architect and, uh, and aware about what technology is around and what you can do and what you can't do and what really benefits and what might not benefit so much. Mm. And um I've tried to make my existing house as green as I possibly can. And and it, and it is amazing. I mean, you know, I'm not just going to bang on about it. You know, I've got a 1960s house where God, when I bought it, it was like frighteningly inefficient. Mm. You know, a gas boiler, old 60s windows that had never been replaced, single glazed, mm. timber frame windows that had big gaps around them because they've expanded and contracted over the years. I mean, it, it was frightening when I first got the house because it felt like the windows were open because you could hear traffic and you could hear the wind, but actually all the windows were closed. And you think, crikey, someone's been living in this house since 1968 mm. um, when it's been in that condition. No insulation mm. at all. So for me, it was just a simple case of giving the house a, a warm jacket, putting as much insulation in there as I could. Uh, I replaced all the glazing mm-hmm. for a super high-performance system. I mean, it's a triple-glazed you know, glazing system, which... That's a big step. I could have gone for double glazing, which would have cost a little bit less money. But I thought, you know what? These windows are going to be in this building, hopefully, for the next 50, 60, 70 years. So mm-hmm. I kind of 
overspec them for the building regs, but didn't overspec them for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then put in an SOC pump. And even down to things like, you know, putting in a boiling hot water tap rather than having a kettle anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, just tiny little steps like that that make all the difference. Mm. Yeah, like you say, it's part of a, it is part of a journey, part of a, a self-reflection piece of looking at your life and looking at how you've lived your life and, and the changes that you want to make. Yeah, and I think everybody's doing that, which is fantastic. Mm. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've always kind of, you know, I've loved nature and I've always had, I've always been quite green. Mm. You know, I remember being a member of the like World Wildlife Fund when I was a kid and, you know, watching all of David Attenborough's programs. And But even David Attenborough would say, you know, when he started, it was about um, conservation, you know, about protecting animals and, and protecting environments and species. Mm. I don't think he imagined he'd be having a conversation about protecting the human race, mm. which is a, a much bigger in some ways, quite frightening, but a yeah. more fundamental thing, really. And, yeah. and then you've got Greta Thunberg, who's come along, who's, you know, she's been amazing, really, at kind of grabbing the minds of the world stage, big businesses and mm-hmm. big governments to say, you've got to do things differently. So I think we're at the beginning of quite a massive change, which in some ways I think is a really exciting one. You could say it's a frightening one as well when you, when you look at the impact of global warming. But, you know, we've just had COP26, which was probably the biggest environmental event we've ever had in the world it's what brings the the globe together isn't it it's a common challenge and there's not many not many topics that i could think of bring the world together to focus on one thing yeah well we we have got one collective home and that's planet earth Mm. and we can sit and talk about individual houses and individual properties and we should Mm. because that's you that that's where the difference is really going to be made you've got to everybody has to change the way they do things um but you know planet earth is one collective home that that needs to be saved Mm. basically Good. So, Ben, um, Dore Woodman, you guys have been installing heat pumps for a couple of years now. Talk to us about your your journey on that road. Sure. I think it's probably not dissimilar to George. In, I didn't start off in any way really thinking about environmental issues. I have to be honest about that. I, I actually built a house. Um, it was off gas. Um, I had had previous experience in, in another business that I have of dealing with companies that manufacture heat pumps in, 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 with Ecodan. And, um, and we were visited by oil engineers, LPG, to look at what options we had to heat the house. And I think what really occurred to me was not just the, um, the lack of understanding of heat pumps, but actually the active, they're terrible, they don't work, you know, oil's the way. And I, I, and I chose to go the heat pump route. Um, why was somebody saying oil's the way? Yeah, I just um, find that amazing because the industry is 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 heavily um, guided by some very traditional types of characters who don't want to change. Um, they know what they know. Um, they don't want the process that's involved with with heat pumps, and um, and I think that it's just easier sometimes to to stick with tradition rather than try something different and i suppose if they haven't been trained in the new technology to them it's a kind of it's an alien thing yeah and i think but it wasn't just a a case of of um don't use this because it was disparaging of technology they didn't they didn't understand actively trying to encourage me not to do it when a well-insulated self-built house in an off-gas area is the perfect opportunity to use a heat pump um so i i engage with a and install who's now a business partner of mine in in with Dore Woodman who was 
passionate about the product, um, very knowledgeable, uh, high quality, you know, bright and, and quite quite young. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, at the beginning, I saw it as a business opportunity. Uh, I'd also had young children as well. So this has started to resonate a bit. Um, and and that's but what i what i did notice was that he was forever on the phone trying to deal with process related questions regarding mcs and 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 i think that you could see he was struggling trying to cope with the administration and doing very what are complicated installations um and it i think we we spoke quite a lot during it and what it occurred to me was renewables heat pumps particularly ground source they're businesses. They're not, you know, pop a box into the back of a van and and go to site and put it in and forget about it. The people that tend to engage with heat pumps, they're, they're quite well read. They they do a lot of research. They ask a lot of questions. Um, and I think that uh, you know it, it, you need back office support and you need you need high quality engineers and and we need to and that obviously comes onto the question of training. So, but over the over the oh, this is our third year. Um, we're coming up to the end of our third year, and and you can't help now, but but start to you know, but buy but buy into it. So you, I'm you know, have become the boring person that people <laughs> would say that now talks about environmental and now talks about um, um, net zero. That looks at your kids and and thinks that we have a responsibility. It's not our kids' kids. It's our kids. It's it's now. So uh, yeah. So I've um, and I think some people look at me when they you know in our in the businesses who've known me for many years and think. What's happened to him? Um, but I think what's really amazed me, and I, the the calls we have that come in from people, and it tends to fall into two categories: those who need heat pumps, mm. planning, uh, off gas, and those who want. And some of the phone calls we get from people of all generations who want a heat pump to do their bit, I never realised these people really existed, mm-hmm. but we hear from them every single day. It's interesting what you say. I think we're all of a similar age, but how our children drive our thought processes with what we have to do or what we should do. And I think I've always been really proud to say to my daughter about what I do with heat pumps and renewables and, um, you know, just to be able to look her in the eye and say that, you know, I did my bit. It's been a real big, big driver for me. And I can see that with you guys now. It's the same, yeah. the same thing. Yeah, you just look at the, the rate of change over the last couple of hundred years. It's staggering, really, where we've been enormous global fossil fuel guzzling planet uh, where we burn stuff, lots of stuff. And really just 150, 160 years later, which sounds like a long time, but you know, in the history of the planet, it's not. We've gone, hang on a minute, it's causing too much damage. And we've got to be green, but also kind of embrace clean technology and, and not have kind of dirty fossil fuel burning technology. And that's it's a big shift, you know? You th- I mean, you think about the, the building game, the house I was brought up in, which was a kind of late 60s house, early 70s house, no insulation in there, nothing, absolutely not. And we had a cavity wall, amazingly. That was, that was the new technology, put in an air gap in the wall. It wasn't insulated. So you think in the 1960s and 70s, we were building a staggering number of uninsulated buildings. Well, now we, we would regard that as being absolutely insane. You know, you want to make them super warm, give them a big thick jacket, and now what we're seeing is, right, we've given them a big thick jacket and we've been burning gas and coal and everything else to heat them. We need to do that differently. And I think that's really exciting. It's, it's interesting because um, 
Ben, you said something. Uh, so when you're engaging with your customers, you're, I think that the point you were making, you're dealing with the educated buyer, aren't you? You're dealing with people who have done all the research first before they come to you. Is that is is that what you what you were saying? Yeah, I think if if you look at the the self build fraternity, they yeah, I mean, you know, they're investing a lot of money. They they micromanage their projects. Um, they handpick their trades. Um, so yeah, and I definitely say that. Uh, we could have 15, 20 conversations and emails before we've even got started. And they, they tend to know you values of glazing and they've researched, you know, insulation and, and they've researched underfloor heating systems. I mean, you know, they're, yeah, generally, yes. I think that you have your other audience, which will be your, your developers who often need to, or they have to for their planning requirements. And perhaps they maybe don't look so closely into, into how, it's more, I suppose, you know, how much, as, you know, and then, and then you've got your retrofit, and that's a mixture. Yeah. Um, that's a mixture of of people who uh, are either well read, you know, and they they research and they go on the forums, and and or they can also be people who are uh, motivated by grants, mm-hmm. and that's that can be where it gets a bit more interesting because, um, you know, I think that the grants alone as a motivation are not, mm-hmm. I haven't found them to be enough. Mm-hmm um it's it's an incentive it's not a a free system i it might be controversial but i believe that that probably 90 percent of the installs we've done would have done it with or without the grants they were doing it anyway i've had some belief and again from somebody who's started businesses really you know and and being quite a you know sort of you know capitalist type approach I find myself thinking that those grants should be going to where they're actually needed and not to people who are going to do it anyway. Green Homes Grant was a prime example. You know, I would say that all the installs we had penciled in for the next six months all then took advantage of the Green Homes Grant. They were doing it anyway. So if you look at the the, the boiler upgrade scheme is mm. um, the funding available will do 90,000 heat pumps. So yeah. when you look at the scale of 2028, the prediction is we do six hundred thousand. You think well, ninety thousand? That's that's not that's not going to cover it. And I think that touched on some of the things you said that people would have done it without without that grant. But also, if you look at how much the government are investing in in uh, low income households or or, or or some social housing, I think there's three point nine billion pounds available for that. So what I can see there is there uh, the strategy there is to invest in those low income households to get them up to an efficient home with an efficient heating system. And that, for me, is, is is preparing that 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 bank of of of, of homes ready for the transition um, in fuel prices, because I think it's a dangerous thing now to, to just to put gas up or to move that levies over to gas now, because that would potentially force a lot of people into fuel poverty. But if we can do that big piece of work now with the low income households and move them over to an efficient home and an efficient heat system, we can then transition uh, the, the fuel prices and rebalance the fuel prices. Yeah, for sure. I mean. There's a lot of talk about well, increase gas prices, but there are a lot of people who can barely afford the gas prices as they are. Yeah, and 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 you're absolutely right. And you know, people shouldn't have to worry about being warm or being able to feed themselves. Mm. Not not you know in the western the western world. So I think you know you 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 really kind of look at things from a perspective of the boiler upgrade scheme will help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a capital upfront payment. The RHI is over seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, uh, uh, and and I would say a lot more open to m- misinformation. Mm-hmm. So 
promising RHI figures that are so much oh, higher yeah. than they actually are. Whereas this is a one sum, it, it, it can't be confused. We hope the process is simple. The Green Homes Grant was not. We've been into houses where we put in a system for the Green Homes Grant. It was a full £10,000. They didn't have any money. They, were, they had two children. They were showering with one electric shower and filling a bath with an electric shower. Mm. And they were heating with coal in the southeast. Uh, it's nuts. It, it is, but they simply don't have the money to... But, but what's critical when we start looking at, at, at that element of the market is we have to be focusing on education because they have to understand how it works and what you know how to use it um but also we really need to be making sure as well that systems are designed correctly installed correctly set up correctly because otherwise the costs to run them are going to be the issue it's interesting because the government have made announcements about you know new build housing in the new build industry and we're building just up towards 250,000 houses a year well that's only 1% of the current housing stock we've got in the UK. And for um, us, you know that I bang on about this a lot, but the, you know, the retrofit challenge with existing housing stock, upgrading what we already have, is probably the biggest challenge I think we face. A new build is obviously important, of course it is, but the current building regulations that we're building to, which we can always improve on, they're, they're very good. You know, we've got good insulation standards, you've got to put in double glazing. You know, if you go into a brand new build home today, the levels of comfort, you sense it as soon as you walk through the door, they just feel like they're warmer. And the amount of heat that's needed to warm those spaces is relatively small, relatively small. So putting in a new build installation of an air source heat pump into a new build house is quite a straightforward thing to do mm. because everything's new and everybody knows what we're doing. And if it's been designed and specified properly, the installation should be fairly straightforward. Mm. But if you talk about doing an install into an existing property, there's so many unique parts to that house. You know, comparing one existing house with another can be completely different in terms of scale and size and volume. And you know, it might have single glazing in, but has it got gaps around the windows where another house might have draft excluders, but still be single glazed. You know, so you might have one existing house that has fairly minimal heat loss, whereas you might have another one, which is literally a leaking box, you know, staggeringly inefficient. How you design that system to work with that house and get the install to work because it might be difficult with pipe runs and where do you put the units and where do you put the storage tank? I'm not going to say it's like reinventing the wheel every time, but you have to look at every house in a very, very, very unique way. I think I think a good point to make as well is it's, it's got to be collaboration. There's, there's not one party there that can take full responsibility. It's not that that Ben's company could take full responsibility for everything, or a manufacturer could, or even a house builder. It's, it's looking for areas where the industry can collaborate to achieve that common goal where we're going. Yeah, and we've got some of the oldest housing stock in Europe, mm. you know. And on the one hand, you can be you can be proud of that because we've got all this fantastic history and we've had buildings which have stood the test of time. Mm. So it's not all bad saying all of our housing stock is just really old as if it's a terrible thing. There's some big plus points to that, but it just means that we've got a greater number of old houses that need to be retrofitted to a higher ecological standard. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's the biggest challenge that we face. You know, new build is obviously really, really, really important. There's no doubt about that. And that's where we've got to innovate. But, you know, recycling and upgrading an existing building is 
probably one of the greenest things we could do. You know, there's so much embodied energy already built into that building with its brickwork and its roof timbers and its tiles and its windows. To just demolish it and get rid of it would actually be a waste. You could argue that that's environmentally unfriendly. But I know from all of my years of doing existing houses, it's not easy. You know, refurbing an existing house can be more difficult than building a new one. Not always, but most of the time it's trickier. Coming back to the slightly earlier point, I think when it comes to new, I think we're going to be fine to be net zero carbon by 2050 on new stuff. So whether it's a new electric car or it's a new greenhouse, you know, we're going to be really, really good at that. And we're already pretty good and we're going to get better and better and better every single year. My bigger worry is, are we going to be net zero carbon when it comes to existing stock? Because if you look globally, the global statistic, and this has been proven, is that 80% of the buildings that we use today are going to be used in 2050. So when you look at every single building in the world, and that's everything from housing to commercial to everything, everything, 80% of the buildings we've got today are still going to be used in 2050. There's only going to be 20% new stuff. Mm. Now that 20%, I think, will make super green and will be fantastic at it. It's the existing 80% that I worry about. That's a good point. What, what mechanisms do you think that the government could put in place for that 80%? Well, the government needs a, a, a long-term, proper long-term credible strategy that's backed by the Treasury mm-hmm. you know, and backed by everybody in government. In some ways, it's like a kind of cross-party consensus you want where everybody signs up to it. I mean, I've said this about housing. you know, Rather than just constantly changing housing policy from one government to the next and you know, new announcements every few months, never mind with every change in government, it, the industry just, it jumps from pillar to post. You know, George Osborne and, and David Cameron announced back in 2011 that every single house from 2016 was going to be net zero carbon. And they pulled it like six months, seven months before it was meant to be brought into legislation. And they pulled it because they just thought the industry weren't ready. And maybe it was from pressure from the big house builders as well. And but even in fairness to the big house builders, they, they were disappointed that that had been pulled. Some of them said, you know, it's a real step back. Now, I think that's probably come from Treasury as well, you know. And Treasury is the, the, the most powerful thing in government because at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. So the government needs to come up with, a, for me, at least a 30-year strategy. It should be a 70, 80-year strategy about how we're going to retain existing buildings that are worth keeping because some aren't. You know, of course we should demolish them. Of course we should. Some are just completely financially unviable. But come up with a proper long-term strategy about how we're going to financially make it all stack up for UK GDP to make our existing buildings super green. Now, if you just look at a five-year strategy or a 10-year strategy, you're never going to do it. You're never, ever, ever going to do it. But if you've got a vision for where the UK should be in 30, 40, 50 years' time, then financially I think you can make it stack up because you're spreading the money over a longer period of time. If you want to build a really top-notch, super greenhouse, of course it's going to cost you money mm. than building something which is a kind of fossil fuel, less greenhouse. It's it's just obvious. I mean, that's that comes down to quality at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You go out and buy a, a really high-quality car, it's going to cost you more money than a low-quality car. <laughs> Fact. Um, if we still allow very low-quality gas-guzzling cars to be a major part of our economy, then it's a problem because you're not investing in the very expensive stuff to start bringing that price down. I and mean, Russell, we've talked about this before. I think that 
I talked about my dad buying a kind of Betamax video back in the day, a video player, and it was like ridiculously expensive. It was like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And then, you know, DVD players come out and you could buy one for 20 something quid, yeah, yeah. you know, and it was much better technology for a much lower price. And that's because the industry pushed itself on mm -hmm. and people expected a better product, but because more and more and more people bought those innovative products, the price came down and it's, it's the same with green technology. It's a good point. And, and that's a, that's where the responsibility does sit on the manufacturers. And I think a competitive market makes it that way where we're striving to to evolve that technology to to get the very very best out of it i think each heat pump manufacturer needs to make a heat pump that is so simple to apply and install that any heating engineer out there can do it and also transition so that any homeowner uh, can get the best out of that system as well it has to be simple we can't um, expect fully quiet engineering processes to install install a heat pump i mean What's yeah, but it's a, so just to jump in. I mean, that's also a re-education process in some ways. I mean, uh, we've talked about the installers, and you know, Ben mentioned the fact that some installers were just dead against it. You know, that for them, it's about installing gas boilers, and and were quite dismissive about the new green technology. Mm. There are a lot of consumers and residents out there, and homeowners who don't have a clue about what an air source heat pump does. You know, they have no idea because. All they've known is gas boilers for the last 30, 40, 50 years. So it's, I think it's a really exciting opportunity. I really genuinely do. And, and I think it's not just about um, people of an older generation, but it's also about inspiring people of a younger generation to start going, hang on a minute, can we do things, can we do things differently? But I mean, I've, I've done lots of filming for, for Mitsubishi Electric where I've been kind of blown away by the responses of people who've had that installed in. You know, you've had elderly people who you would have thought might be quite worried about this new technology, absolutely embracing it and saying, oh God, I wish we'd done this years ago. It's, it's fantastic and it's clean and it's green and it's a quiet system and it works so well and I never have to worry about it. And then really young people who are kind of looking at gas boilers going, that's mad. You know, you're using loads of gas and it's, you've got a, a lit flame in your house and you're it's like having a little mini combustion engine burning away. It's, it's crazy. Imagine turning it on, it on its head and saying, we were moving from heat pumps to gas, trying to convince everyone that they should have an explosive, uh, you know, gas in, in their home that, that, that could do this and could do this. And, you know, it's just bizarre. Yeah. But, and I know I keep going back to the electric car scenario, but you know, it, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, what is now probably the most valuable car company on the planet was just strapping batteries to the bottom of a kind of go-kart. You know, I mean, that, that, that's, that was their R&D, you know, 20 years ago. And you look where they are now, you know, a, a staggering company that's completely changing the industry. So we are in a period of, I think, very exciting transition. We've got a, a long, long, long way to go. But thankfully, we've started that journey. Mitsubishi Electric's Ecodam air source heat pump switch from fossil fuels like oil, LPG and storage heaters to clean, renewable home heating. Visit ecodan.co.uk for more information. Just a different different tangent now. Um, ben, you know, three, four years experience installing heat pumps. What what advice would you give to a you know an, an oil boiler installing company or a gas boiler installing looking to come over into renewables into into heat pumps? What advice would you give them? I would say that um, I think it's really important that 
that people installing heat pumps un understand the fundamentals of, of plumbing, but also have an interest in electronics because the two things go hand in hand with heat pumps. I think that um, clearly from an education perspective, and it's difficult because we take, you know, we're employing young engineers to make sure they're conditioned the right way to think about things in terms of building something up and, and, and getting, you know, and being confident about it. Um, I think there's a great opportunity for for those who are willing to embrace change, maybe not listen to their friend down the the pub saying that these don't work. And we hear this every day. My mate says, and and but this person doesn't have any qualifications to say to say that. And so we find that the majority of our conversations are trying to convince people that something is good when they've been told it's bad. So at the moment, there's no doubt, and you know. George taught politics and government. And I don't want to talk conspiracy, but for sure in the last six to 12 months, I've, the mobilization of anti-renewables, anti-heat pumps has ramped up heavily. And we've seen it on social media. We've seen, yeah. you know, it's very <laughs> easy, isn't it, to, to emotionally knock something down when we're trying to factually build it up. And facts and emotions will always, will always really... Yeah, and but the reason why they're, they're doing that because it's a threat to their businesses and the way they do things at the minute. And I get that. You yeah. know, you can understand that that threat's there. But I think when we're talking about, you know, major ecological change, everyone's got to be open-minded and, and really look at the facts and really look at what's true and what isn't. So, so to answer the question, Russell, I think go and learn about it before you dismiss it because somebody who knows somebody has told you it's not good – Go and learn about it. But what can't be avoided is if you want to do it under MCS, which is really important for retrofit, because if they can't benefit from the grant, then you're going to have an issue. So you need to have that MCS accreditation, or you certainly need to work within a business that can, that can do that. You have to look at it as it's a business. It's not anymore buy a boiler from a merchant, you know, two days work gas safe and, and and you're done and it's finished put a boiler that's three times the size of the house because you know moors these need to be designed accurately they need to be installed with care you have to adjust existing systems you need to be able to look at a system and make sure it's got the best possible chance of success how can you do it in the way that will protect the homeowner both in terms of their cost and in terms of and in terms of the upheaval in their homes um so i think Go and educate yourself and, and learn about it for yourself rather than listening to what other people say. Yeah, it's interesting because Ben's talked about the kind of financial side. You know, things are driven by money. That's the way the world works. If you can't afford to do something, you can't afford to do it. And that's where the government stepping in can hopefully help people do something which financially might be a bit of a struggle for them. But I also think there's a kind of cultural shift that we need to just do the right thing. You know, I, I mean, I know now that... yeah. With this kind of, let's say, a ban or restriction on, on gas boilers being put into new built houses in, in 2025, I know that there's a lot of house builders out there who are just building as many houses as they, as they can with gas boilers before those restrictions come in. You know, and you can you kind of think, come on, guys, like, is that really the right thing to be doing? The, the reason why this change is happening is because we know burning fossil fuels isn't the right thing to do. So just you building as many houses as you can before legislation changes to just get that cheaper, dirtier bit of technology into a house 
is that really to the benefit, not just of that homeowner, but also the planet? And I, I know people talk about the big house builders kind of are worried about spending a bit of extra money on that green technology. But for me, that's about changing the message about what they're selling to people. Yeah, by saying you are you are buying, it's, in some ways it's like a USP, isn't it? They should be saying, do you know what? We could have put in a gas guzzling boiler, which is all dirty technology, but we as a company have taken the step to put in this cleaner, greener technology. It might have cost us a few pennies more to, to be able to do that, but you're going to see the benefit as a homeowner? I, I think we're, we're close to that transition. As Ben was saying earlier, it's, it's the educated consumer now, and I think... You know, we we as a manufacturer, we have to talk about the embodied carbon in each product. You have to talk about so much now that people expect to have that kind of information. So I think with these, you know, impending changes to the building regulations, that it's not it's not long until the, the major builders make that transition and yeah. it'll be demanded of them from the consumers. Yep. Yeah. And I think when it comes to existing homeowners, okay, they, they physically need to have the money in the bank or they need to have been given a grant to be able to do the work. I get that. And that, that comes back to affordability. That's that's a big conversation in itself. But you know, most if you're lucky enough to be on the property ladder already, your house has generally gone up by a fair amount of money every year. It it just is, you know. And I think you kind of need to look at that and think, right, okay, I'm, I'm benefiting in this way by house prices going up. And if, if you look over the last 30 or 40 years, even though there might have been a few peaks and troughs, generally house prices have gone insane, absolutely insane. So you should be looking at that and thinking, right, I've got a high value product here, but I'm actually using quite low value fossil fuel burning technology. You know, maybe I should be investing in my property because I'm getting a return on that house every single year because of rising house prices. Do you know what I mean? So I think we've all, we've all got to think about the affordability of it, but I also think we've got to look at the USP of, of what that house is going to be like and how good it's going to be and how comfortable it's going to be over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years. We were going down that road and then hydrogen-ready boilers came along. And for the people who were, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing now, this is the time, we gave people a reason to delay that decision by putting in something that will unlikely ever be the case in their home but it settled the conscience and i think that if we're looking at something that is conscience-based we can't then give people an excuse not to do yeah, that to not do it, so yeah. so you know i think it education is so important for anything like this it's how you get the message out there it's how you get the message out there dealing with the headwinds of n not just a lot of naysayers who stand to not to benefit from it um with the view that someone else will take care of it someone else will yeah. do it uh, well they're not doing it in that country so why should we because that's how civilized people live someone has to someone has to take the lead and that's what we do yeah and uh, coming back to kind of forms of tenure and who owns what and who prioritizes investing in greener cleaner technology i mean you mentioned self-builders they're amazing, really, because there's, there's a self-builder has been very brave anyway. They're taking on either a new-built house or an existing property. They want to upgrade it, and they're looking at their own lifestyle and what they should be investing in in the long term to benefit them and the house and reducing their fuel bills, hopefully. You've then got existing homeowners who might just want to do a little bit of refurb work. You've got the new-built developers who, let's be honest, is, can be driven by share price and profits and cost because they're, they're big, big corporations, you know, where they've got to pay dividends and 
maintain their share price. You could argue that they should be the biggest innovators, but they could also be under the, the largest financial pressure. But I get really excited about social housing providers because they really do take a long-term view. They are they are holding on to that stock. They are responsible for that stock for a long, long time. And I think some of the steps that they're taking to innovate and be green is fantastic, actually. You know, they're, they're really looking at where they can get investment and money from to say, if we're going to hold on to these properties for the next 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, what are we going to invest in now that's really going to benefit our tenants and benefit the upgrading of our stock? Mm. And I think that's really exciting. Mm. I, I agree. The biggest, I think one of the biggest uses of heat pumps has been social housing. The uptake has been has been huge. We've got, you know, housing associations that we've worked that put over a thousand systems in, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, a phenomenal and, uptake. And for the two reasons I've said, obviously they want to look after their tenants and they want to upgrade their own stock, but also, you know, you could argue that some of the people who are in social housing are the people who aren't necessarily on the highest incomes mm -hmm. and, you know, otherwise they'd be in home ownership, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be in social housing. So, you know, they are the people who really need that help and support when it comes to fuel poverty. And, you know, we know this year, you know, with the, the lifting of the price cap, it's it's quite a frightening time, actually, in terms of the cost of, of energy bills, what it's going to take to run your house. I mean, those prices are already high. I mean, Ben's mentioned that, you know, gas prices are, are staggeringly high and tragically, they're just going to get higher and higher because of the fuel cap being lifted. And for lots of other reasons out there, lots of other global reasons out there that are going to affect it. And, and the less that we have of it, the more expensive it's going to be anyway in the long term. So, you know, all of these things need to be taken into account. I mean, the, the Ben mentioned about people having to decide whether to heat or eat, you know, heat their, their homes or eat food. Actually, households are getting pressure from both sides of that now. Some can't heat or eat with inflation spiking absolutely everywhere, whether it's gas, whether it's electric, whether it's food, whatever it might be, surely the answer is to be cleaner and greener and more efficient and, you know, waste less and, and reduce the prices of everything, basically. I think, Russell, one other thing would be to start at the college level. What I've noticed when we've been interviewing younger engineers is they're already conditioned to be anti-renewable technology at 22, 23 years of Why age. Is that? Because they're trained by oil and gas engineers and they listen to the same thing every day, saying that gas is never going to go anywhere and, you know, um, it's all of the, it's all nonsense. And they listen to this day and day out by someone who's mentoring them, who's typically the first person that's mentored them, and they will listen to them, even sometimes worship them. And, and so what happens is we're already seeing people who, you know, at such a young age, and I think it's a generational change. Um, George mentioned earlier about to get to 2050, you know, it's it is it's going to be the generational change that will do it. So we have to make sure that that we counter in the colleges by having, you know, I mean, I'll be doing away with with probably gas you know, gas qualification altogether. You know, if, if I had a choice, and pushing it all to yep. to you know, but they need to have a lot of modules that deal with air source and 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 renewable technology. And I think if we can get in early and sort of reprogram the right way, then I think it makes it so much easier for businesses like ours to bring in someone who has some understanding and more importantly, 
some some interest in it. Yeah, and I, I know I keep banging on about the fact that we're in a period of transition, but we really are. Yeah. You know, you could say that every single car manufacturer out there should be electric from today, and why don't we just make that happen? Well, organising supply chains to be able to do that, retraining your staff and people on the factory floor to be able to do that, it's 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 difficult. It takes time. So, you know, I'd love to say let's just ban all gas boilers from tomorrow. But the reality is there's lots of existing homes out there that have gas systems who can't afford to put in an air source heat pump. So what are they going to do in the short term? So I think it is that period of transition. It's going to take time, but we'll get there. Yeah. I think we've talked uh, quite a lot there about mechanics, about costs, about what strategy the government's got to do, the challenges uh, for, an, for, for an installer coming into the market or even just considering uh, coming into the market. George, you did an article for us in a, in a Hub article on the 31st of January uh, Quite a, a big, long article, I remember. I, I rambled on a bit. Sorry about that. Sorry, Russ. If you could, if you think there's any salient points in there that, that we haven't covered today, we've covered a lot of it already. You know, re-education is a is a big deal. Ben's just mentioned that generational change, big big deal. Fuel poverty, massive big deal. I do just think it's about us being really really efficient with what we've got. Mm -hmm. You know, when we've got a lot of old houses stock, being super efficient with it, and surely in in any business, waste is a terrible thing. You just don't want to waste stuff, do you? I mean, even if you're, I don't know, even if you've got a, a timber factory and you've got too many timber offcuts and that bit gets wasted, you don't want to do that. You minimize your amount of cutting and you minimize the amount of material you use to be really efficient. Mm. Now, being efficient is just good for UK industry, basically. I think being efficient when it comes to specifying things, installing things, building things, manufacturing things, all of that is part of us being a more sustainable economy and we can talk about saving the planet and we should because it's really 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 important and it is happening um it's interesting when ben talks about you know people of a certain generation being cynical about new technology it wasn't that long ago that the entire american government was against anything green and didn't believe in it and thought it was scaremongering and you know climate change isn't really happening and you know so many scientists out there have gone this is really happening. Here's the evidence. And they go, oh, you know, it's just a little blip. You know, things will recorrect themselves in years to come. So we can all have that argument and all have that debate about what is the right and wrong thing to do. But I think nobody would argue that being efficient with what we've got and trying to create houses which are as comfortable as we possibly can mm -hmm. for the least amount of cost, not just in terms of people's purse strings, but cost of the environment. That's just a no-brainer, isn't it? It's, we should just be doing that anyway. It just makes complete common sense to me. So, yeah, that that was the main headline from that article, to be honest with you. Well, people are fixated with how do I get heat into my house and they should be more thinking how do I stop it leaving. And it is such a huge – in uh, putting the, you know, the – the warm jacket, as, as you would say, George, around the house is, is just so critical. And I think, you know, that's something which needs to be done first. We are a fossil burning civilization, aren't we? We like yeah, burning yeah. things. So, so I think in order to make it, they have to be credible. And people are waiting for to discredit something. That, and, and in order to make sure that doesn't happen, we have to give them the best chance of success. Yeah. And to be honest about it, to be honest, to, to, for installers like us to say, that property isn't ready for that yet. You need to do this first. Ben's hit on a really good point. You know, that obviously Mitsubishi Electric and Egodan have, have worked really hard to develop a clever bit of technology. 
in some ways, not to knock it, it's it's actually very simple what mm. it does. It's really, really simple. It's technology that's been in a, a fridge for many, many years. Mm. And it's it's not complicated and it's really good. And when you think about the rules of what it is we need to do to retrofit and make our houses greener, make it warmer by adding some more insulation, upgrade your inefficient windows to be something which is really efficient, whether that's double glazing or triple glazing. For me, I think we should be triple glazing in the UK, full stop. Um, but I can tell you now, some glazing manufacturer will come back and go, well, actually, double glazing's fine and it only costs this much more money What's the benefit of going triple glazing? Because that's a lot more money for less overall benefits. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. The jump from single to double is bigger than the jump from double to triple when it comes to thermal performance. Mm -hmm. But it's still really good. George, it's worse. When I built a house, I was told that triple glazing was a gimmick. <laughs> it was a gimmick. What? And and, and this is this is the point that I'm making. It, it's it's you know we it's you have to be honest with people and and, and you have to be well read on these things. And I. I yeah, but, but just coming back to that simple point, uh, all I've done is insulate my house, put in some triple glazing, and I thought, I'm going to get rid of that gas boiler because I just don't like it, and I'm going to get an air, air source heat pump. That's all I've done. But the change in my house is unbelievable. And I, re I really mean that my house is so snug and warm and quiet and green. Now, I don't have solar thermal panels doing my hot water. I don't have... Um, PV panels and um, doing my electric for lots of planning reasons. Um, but that's fine because in the fabric of the building, I've upgraded it. And then I very simply got rid of my gas boiler, put in an air source heat pump. And every time I walk out my door and I see that air source heat pump there, genuinely, I can't hear it. And I'm not just saying that. You know, I know I'm an Eco Dan ambassador, so everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, he gets paid to say that. <laughs> I, I, but I, I would not be an Eco Dan ambassador if the technology wasn't brilliant and I didn't believe in it. And that's, that is the gospel honest truth. I would never, ever do that. And I walk out and it's really quiet and I feel really good about it because I think, do you know what? We're not burning loads of gas and I'm, I haven't got a flu sticking out with loads of wasted heat being pumped out. It's simple, clean, green technology and it's it's genuinely fantastic and f for me it's been kind of it has kind of been quite life-changing in some ways because those three simple things insulation triple glazing and going from a gas boiler to an air source heat pump has transformed the comfort levels in my house hugely it's made it efficient a lot less waste and it's made it greener and it's not really rocket science i think i think that's what i'm going to take from this listening to both what you guys had to say is this, okay, there are challenges. There's certainly challenges to, to certain things and, and a clearer roadmap uh, taking us on this transition would be better, but it's simple. You know, what we're doing is we're wrapping, we're, we're, heat, we're heating, we're making homes efficient. We're putting in efficient um, heating systems. There's, there's collaboration required from all areas of the, of the market or construction to make that happen from architects, developers, installers, manufacturers, uh, even service and maintenance providers. And we touched on utilities as well. So I think there's, there's, there's a need for collaboration. But that makes it sound really complicated as well because we're, we're really good in our industry at making things sound more complicated than it needs to be. And we start going, oh, well, how's that going to work? And how's that going to be funded? And how's that going to do? Yeah, at the end of the day, we're talking about people living in homes that we can do three things to that can make a big difference. I think I think 
the age we're in now, collaboration is business. So rather than someone trying to monopolize one particular area, we're all keen to open up our APIs of our technology to talk to someone else's technology. So I certainly see it talking to other people that can provide, because a heat pump isn't a silver bullet. There's other, you know, there's photovoltaics, there's batteries, there's heat storage, there's there's so many things that you that, that you could, uh, you know, that you could use. And I see collaboration across all those manufacturers where we're saying, yep, I'll, you can talk to my machine, I can talk to you, and we're all you know, having conversations and open and honest conversations about how we can help each other. Yeah, and the more people that install green technologies, the more aware their friends and family become of it, my kids are. I mean, my kids now walk out of the door of my house and they're in my garden as an air source heat pump. And you know, when, when, when it arrived and it was installed, my kids are, Dad, what's that? And then you talk them through it and you explain where I've put it in and you can just see them thinking that makes complete sense. There's no way that my kids in years to come are going to have a house with a gas boiler. I guarantee you, they just won't because I've been banging on about it so much <laughs> that they shouldn't really. But, but we need that, George. The only the way for this to work is we need people with, with reached to the, to, the, to the person watching the telly or listening to... Uh, you know, to their radio and their car, we have to we have to be be talking about it because right now there's there's always a distraction. There's always something. There's always something happening that pushes this agenda to the back. So, for yeah. example, we were talking green, but really COVID was the the driver yeah. behind that. Let's yeah, yeah. let's stimulate and let's get people working, spending money, and all the things. That was, I think, the real yeah, yeah. motivation behind that. Um, and before that, we had Brexit, which is ironic because. That's led to a lot of supply chain issues and prices have gone up. And now all of a sudden, you know, so we know. And now, of course, we've got other things that are, uh, yeah, are happening. And so there's always an excuse. There's always something which is which is um, deflecting the attention. And so we have to keep message on point. Yeah, and I think that message has got to be really, really honest and very clear. Really, really honest. And And if certain things don't work in the construction industry, I'll shout and I'll say, you know, we're trying to do this, but it doesn't work that well. Which is why we need to be consistent with that messaging, isn't it? Just keep, keep not banging on, but keep repeating what it is, the benefits of, of technology, but, you know, not about one one piece of technology heat pumps, but like you keep saying, efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. That's that's what we need to be striving for. And that's what's going to get us to, to, to road net zero. So there you have it. Heat pumps, the road to net zero. A huge thanks to my guests, George and Ben, for coming on the show. Thank you for listening and please share, subscribe, rate and review the Ikadan Serious About Sustainability podcasts. Until next time, goodbye.